On this episode of Common Mystics, we are drawn to one of the most notorious mining towns of the Old West to give voice to one of the most unlikely of outlaws. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are Common Mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And today's story comes to you from none other than Tombstone, Arizona. I am so excited about this one. I cannot even wait. Let's just get right into it. We'll tell the people why we were in Arizona to begin with. We were visiting my friend Eric and we were staying at his house and Jen and I rented a car and we were doing what we do. We sure were. We decided to find a story. So we started by setting an intention. Jen, can you please remind our mystical listeners what our intention is? Our intention is always to find a verifiable story previously unknown to us that most importantly gives voice to the voiceless. That's right. And we were headed southeast out of the Phoenix area. Mm -hmm. And right away, I'm getting my feels on and I am picking up on the song. I got friends in low places by Garth Brooks and it is like Mm. not getting out of my head and I'm not a country song loving girl. So that was interesting. What were you feeling? I was getting the impression of a murder slash cover up. Yeah, you were. Right. Like someone didn't want people to know what really happened surrounding a murder. Mm, I was getting the image, the grainy black and white image of Billy the Kid in my head. Interesting. Yeah. And I was also feeling mob or gang violence. I remember that. I was feeling a government overreach, if that makes sense. If, If It felt as if the government was really stretching what was legally allowed or sanctioned behavior. Yeah. And I was getting the impression of a man who was not what he seemed to be, but also not native to a certain area and far away from home. What's funny about that conversation we had in the car is that you were really channeling someone's energy and trying to place where this person is from because they weren't from here. That's true. So you're true. like naming random countries. All European <laughs> countries. Yes, you like, were. And I'm feeling Poland and I'm feeling Germany. I'm feeling Russia. Like I remember like just rattling off all of these mm-hmm. Eastern European countries. Isn't that crazy? That is really crazy. So... We end up in Tucson, Arizona, and you guys, creepy AF, we have a story for you. Tune in detours after this episode dropping next Thursday because, oh my God, you're going to like flip. To get access to our Detours episodes, please check out our Patreon. Our second tier will give you access to the Detours episodes. Good point. That's true. Yes. But the thing is, is so we're in Tucson, but we are not done. Right. We are still being called Southeast. So we look at the phone and I'm like, it's Tombstone. And Jen and I were like, that's where we're going. We're going to Tombstone. It was almost like it was calling to us. Literally. This is really exciting. I love Tombstone. Tell us about it. Tell us about our experience there. First of all, it's so special. I highly recommend if you love to go to places that are spiritually charged, if you love history, American history, you need to go to Tombstone. I feel, Jill, like I've been looking for Tombstone all my life. I love when you said that. Like it's a town like no other. Literally, again, I am not Southwesty. I'm just not that kind of person. But I love Tombstone because it is so 
filled with energy. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. literally felt like anyone, whether they ascribe to being psychic or not, can feel transported back in time in that location because it is so special and mm-hmm. so many things bring you back to the 1800s. I literally felt like I was going to see Doc Holliday walk around the corner and like be like, hey, girls, like that's how it felt. Right. I think one of the reasons that it's so special is because there are a lot of old West towns that boast that they have a long history, but they don't have the original buildings most of the time that are there. They might have one, but it's not the original town layout. It's not the original buildings. Mm -hmm. And then you might have different attractions around the country where they're like, come and see this original building. But it's set up like a museum and they were picked up and and deposited there, you know? Right. They were authentic to that time. Whereas in Tombstone, it's the real deal. You've got the original town layout with the original buildings, many of them. The streets are the same. And boardwalks. Yes. it's You feel like you are 360 in time. Yes. Like, whereas when you're picking up something and you can feel the vibes from like a crystal or feeling vibes from someone in Tombstone, you are feeling vibes 360. Like yes. you are part of the scenery. I can 100% relate to how you describe that. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. And we made a fool of ourselves around that town. We really did. We were giddy running around Tombstone for real. It is like a carnival for psychics because you're like, oh, my God, there's so much energy. And it feels like the the spirits there want to be remembered, want to be known. It was very special. Right. And do you remember that guy who stopped us and he was he was trying to sell tickets to the reenactment of the OK Corral? It was embarrassing because we're like, I felt embarrassed for him. Tell me why. Because it's like, honey, if you just stop talking for a second, like you don't like it's happening around us. Right. Like, right. It's like this is it. The veil is very thin. And if you're Mm -hmm. just quiet, you can almost see the gunfight happening right now. Like, seriously, it it, is that crazy. I just wanted to be like, shh, (laughs) like stop talking. Totally. But yeah, no, I mean, you said before in a conversation that you felt like Tombstone was a portal. And I think you're onto something. It totally feels that way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you can definitely Christopher Reeve yourself in that town because you were just (laughs) enveloped by this energy. It feels like you're traveling in time, in other words. Exactly. Jen, tell me about why this town is so special. Well, Tombstone is obviously a historic city. It is the quintessential American Old West town. And great name, by the way. Like, really? Tombstone? That is a great name. Yeah, we're going to get to the story behind the name. But first, it's super famous, and a lot of people have probably heard of the famous gunfight at the OK Corral. That happened Mm -hmm. at Tombstone. Wyatt Earp, I think most people have heard his name, especially if you're a fan of the Old West. He was in Tombstone. And let me tell you, even if you're not a fan of the Old West, everything that you know, all the tropes, all the general information, the lawlessness, the gunfights, you are thinking of Tombstone and may not even realize it. Let's talk about how Tombstone got its name. Tell me... In 1877, the town was founded by this guy named Ed. 
Ed was on a scouting mission in the area against a group of Apaches, and he was staying in a camp with some soldiers. And during that time, he would be leaving camp and venturing off to find stones of value, which Mm. sounds pretty silly. But when you think about how people were looking for valuable minerals like gold and silver and copper at the time. And let's not pretend as psychics, we don't look for special rocks on the ground because I do that all the time. All right. That's a good point. Maybe in stores more than on the ground. But true, true. Go on. Ed was going away from camp and he was in Apache territory. And so the other soldiers were telling him, dude, don't leave camp. Like, Ed, Ed, come here, Ed. Ed, stop (laughs) it. Come here. Come here. Sit. Sit. Drop it. (laughs) Drop Drop it. it. Right. Good boy. Just like that. (laughs) Just like that. No, they were telling him, Ed, you are a fool. The only stone you're going to find is your tombstone. That's a sick burn, bro. That is a (laughs) sick, sick burn. Well, guess what? Huh? He actually found silver and started a silver mine and called it the tombstone. Oh, my gosh. See, he doubled down on that. He was like, oh, I guess I found a tombstone. Uh." (laughs) Right. And then, of course, whenever a precious mineral is discovered, then people start flocking to the area, right? Oh, it's a boom town. Mm-hmm. And so word quickly spread about the silver mine. And it wasn't long before people were rushing to the area. People like homesteaders and cowboys, speculators, prospectors, business people, right? Mm-hmm. And the town that grew up near the mine came to be called Tombstone. Mm. It had respectable places like churches, schools, newspapers, restaurants. But, Jill... It also had a very notable red light district and Mm. more than a hundred saloons, a hundred. And then they also had various forms of adult entertainment. If I were a rough and tough gunman and I am passing through Tombstone on a Saturday night in the 1800s, where would you recommend that I go? Well, one of the most notable places for adult entertainment was called the Birdcage. Tell me a little bit about the Birdcage. So the Birdcage was a theater, but it was more than just a theater where women would perform. It was also a gambling hall and a saloon and a brothel. They say that if you were a self-respecting woman, you would never step foot inside the birdcage. That's not fair because I like entertainment. It's like, what if I like to gamble? I'm just saying, I think that's sexism. (laughs) They don't know me. Okay, go on. The birdcage operated 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So it was always open. Mm. But it wasn't open for long. It opened in 1881 and closed in 1889. So really was only around for eight years. That's crazy. I know. But it left quite an impact. The New York Times referred to it in superlatives. They called it the wickedest and wildest night spot around. Wow. That seems amazing. You got all the seven deadly sins happening in that bar or theater. How exciting. Be like one-stop shopping, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's like the Walmart of sins. (laughs) There are still 140 alleged bullet holes in the ceilings and walls of the building, which is still standing. And the birdcage, another great name, by the way, 
True that. Got its name from the 14 boxes that were referred to as cages that are located on the second story balconies on both sides of the main theater hall where the women would perform on stage. And each of those boxes or cages had drapes that could be drawn while the ladies amused their clients. Wow. So we actually went to the birdcage, you guys. It was amazing. It was amazing. So Jen and I, we are frolicking around the streets (laughs) in the old buildings of Tombstone. And we are like, we are going to find the oldest, coolest building in this place. And it was like an invisible cord was like wrapped around our waist and was just pulling us down the street to this building. And we walk up to it. It's like old painted brick and it has three large doors that come to a curved archway and we're like that's it that's where we're going and so we walk in and Jen tell me what you were experiencing when we walked in the first thing you see when you walk into the birdcage you see the big bar that's still on the left Mm -hmm. and around you are original advertisements painted on the walls and you can still touch and see where the bullet holes left damage Mm -hmm. on the walls and in the ceilings but then right in front of you is a fake plywood wall that blocks the visitors from seeing the main hall, right? And the main exhibit. They want to keep the good stuff themselves. Right. So you have to pay to get past the fake wall. Now, back in the day, you'd walk in and you'd just be standing in that big theater room, right? But now Mm -hmm. you have to wait. You have to pay. There's also an opportunity while they're waiting for people to gather and pay to listen to the reenactors who are standing there telling you about the birdcage. You guys, never in my life was I more annoyed than this woman. <laughs> Stop. She and, met no, well. She was aggressively trying to give us information. And you you know how we roll. We don't want to know. Right. Like, please stop talking to me. I was like, la, 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 la. I can't hear you. And she was like, she had the, the, the microphone pointed at me. And she was like, the birdcage. I was like, please stop talking. Right. And she would not stop. Right. So we were trying to ignore her, cover our ears. We were singing quietly to ourselves. I can't hear you. You know what I mean? Because obviously we didn't want to hear stories from her. We wanted to hear them from the spirits. So we finally get in to the main hall. Finally. And lo and behold, we are in an amazing space. Jennifer. Yes. When we came around and opened that door to the hall, it felt like we were walking through a mist that just hits you. Mm -hmm. It was dim. Mm -hmm. Other people were walking around and everyone was speaking in hushed tones. They were very reverent of the space. It felt like you were in someplace special. But what it looked like was almost like a someone was doing an estate sale and laid out different items from from the years. There was not an empty space on the wall. There were not an empty space in the display cases or tables. There was random pieces of furniture. The place was just covered with all these items, the original items that had so much energy. So I was like, 
overwhelmed, excited. My tail was wagging and I was walking around excitedly trying to get my feels on everything. I was looking at the original furniture, the original piano, the balcony boxes, and all of the walls. I was just taking in all of the stories, the newspaper clippings, the black and white photographs, all of the displays behind glass. Some advertisements mm-hmm. that were still up from the 1800s. There was, and I was thinking as I was looking around everything, I was thinking how many stories were in that space, just in that one room alone. So many stories. Wow. That's such a great point. Yeah. I walked up this like four rickety ass stairs to the stage Mm -hmm. and I'm on the stage and it's wood. It has dents in. It kind of has this wonky surface about it from where the performers were pounding on the stage. Because it's like the original floor up there. Yes. And there's props. There's like an old coffin. There's advertisements. There's costumes. And I am so overwhelmed and my tail is wagging and I am just feeling all this energy. And I just feel like, wow, this is amazing. And I want to be here alone without all these people because I must look so weird. (laughs) Right. Well, while you were up on the stage feeling your feels, there was one display that to me, it almost felt like it had an energetic spotlight on it. And Mm. I was drawn to it. And it was one of the boxes on the balcony just left of the stage. And I was looking in this box and it had props in it. It had a chair and I could almost see the shadow of a figure sitting there. I could almost make out the figure of a man. And I was quiet and totally transfixed. And it was it was almost like I was listening. I was listening for something, for someone to say something to me because I felt like someone was there. And honestly, I couldn't move. I was just paralyzed almost waiting to get some information from this spirit that I felt. Nobody talked to me, but I noticed that there was a sign right next to the display And the sign told me that that particular box was rented every day for two years straight by a man named Russian Bill. And the sign also gave a short synopsis of how he lived, how he died, and how he was regarded by the citizens of Tombstone. And in that moment, Jill, I knew that Russian Bill was reaching out to me for a voice. And so that's when I ran up the stairs to the stage and told you that I had found our story. She literally was like, Jill, 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 Jill. And I was like, what? She's like, Jill, I found our story. Jill, I found our story. I was like, calm down, calm down, Jennifer. Let's see what you got. And she brought me back. And I, there's so much going on in that room. I completely jetted past that to get to the stage. So Jen walking around and he was like, hello. Yeah. For real. I'm here. For real. It was almost like the energy I was getting from that situation was almost like the puppy dog trying to stick out from the rest of the litter. That's how it felt. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that strikes a chord for sure. So after we left, we did a little research on Russian Bill. And I think I'm in love, you guys. (laughs) 
Just saying. The thing about Russian Bill is that he's a really slippery character to research because there's so much myth, so much legend surrounding his life that it's like impossible to pin down what are the actual facts here. It's impossible. It's so true. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Because once we read something that we think is a fact, then the next source we read is a complete contradiction. So we're like, I don't friggin' know. (laughs) Exactly. But most of the information surrounding his life that's been written about is about his dramatic death. So I think it makes sense to start at the end and talk about the story of the end of his life. Tell me. Okay. We already know that Russian Bill hung out at the birdcage, right? Mm -hmm. Which is located in Tombstone. Mm -hmm. And apparently, according to the New York Times, it was quite the spot. But in late 1881, Russian Bill left Tombstone and headed east where he met up with a friend of his named Sandy King. Now, Sandy King was known to be a hard-drinking gunman with a bad temper. And the two of them head to New Mexico, specifically to a town called Shakespeare, New Mexico. Okay. Now, Shakespeare, New Mexico was known. It was a hot spot for outlaws, for rustlers, for thieves, for renegades. Like, it was a place to go if you wanted to start some trouble. Mm, I never heard of it. Me neither. But... As it happens, in November of 1881, just before Russian Bill and Sandy King arrived, things were changing in Shakespeare. What does that mean? Well, the government and the local citizens were working together to clean up the town. And the citizens actually formed a local vigilance committee, which really was just a group of vigilantes. Oh, it sounded like a neighborhood watch. Oh, kind of. But they basically they took the law into their own hands. They were going to clean up the town. But it was like organized, Mm. like to make it seem legit. Right. So Mm -hmm, they formed this mm -hmm. committee and the government officials had issued an order that November for all of the ruffians to leave town within 24 hours. So the government Mm -hmm. said, you need to leave town. You've got 24 hours. And if you don't, any criminal who remains here in Shakespeare will be hanged. I would be like, can you please describe what you mean by criminal? Like, where is there a gray line? Like, where do I fit here? When you say ruffian, (laughs) gun man, what do you what are we saying here? Right, right. (laughs) So the local government makes that proclamation. And actually, 12 guys who are hanging out in Shakespeare leave. (laughs) Guilty. Okay, you got me. Bye. All right. All you. (laughs) But then just a few days later, Russian Bill and Sandy King arrive, Mm. presumably ignorant of this recent crackdown. So they walk into the situation. They probably don't even know it. Oh, my. You know, that reminds me of being on the highway and the opposite direction has like a crash or like a backup. And then you watch the poor people come to it and you're like, oh, turn around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So a couple days later, Sandy King is arrested after shooting and wounding a storekeeper in town. Okay, this is what happened, you guys. He likes to drink, and apparently he's an angry drunk. So he's walking around Shakespeare, New Mexico, drunk AF, and he's like, I'll tell you one thing, and he starts just shooting up, like just like randomly shooting. One of the bullets hit a storekeeper in the finger, and then he's like, oh, dude, I didn't mean to do that, but... uh," And it's just bad. It was just a mess. Okay, so he's arrested for that. Meanwhile... Russian Bill is apparently caught red-handed stealing cattle. And so now he's thrown in jail, too. So the two of them are both locked up Mm -hmm. in Shakespeare, New Mexico. 
So they're both in jail. And apparently, according to some accounts, Sandy King and Russian Bill are shouting threats from the windows to the townsfolk. So like as people are walking by where they're being kept, they're like, you better hope you keep me in here because when I get out and the, the people are like, oh, my heavens. Well, <laughs> my goodness. Well, apparently the locals took those threats seriously because in the early hours of the morning of November 9th, 1881, a group of a dozen armed citizen vigilantes broke into that jail and hanged both Russian Bill and Sandy King. And their bodies were left hanging for days as a reminder to anyone who visited the town that outlaw activity would not be tolerated in Shakespeare, New Mexico. Yeah, the governor went to the newspaper and said, I defend these actions, and these men were convicted of being a general nuisance. Get this, after the hangings... Even before the men were cut down, a coroner's jury determined that the men had committed suicide. Jennifer? Yeah. Their hands were tied behind their backs. Are you kidding me? No, I swear to God. So obviously it wasn't suicide. That is ridiculous. That makes no sense. Later in 1881, there was an article in the Washington Republican paper, and it was written days after Russian Bill's death. And The article seems to justify the murders of Sandy King and Russian Bill. What do you mean? Well, it it talks about how it was necessary for the governor to, quote, break up that cowboy element. And it was believed Mm. at least 150 outlaws in the southern part of the county were followers of Russian Bill and that Russian Bill was one of the leaders of this group of outlaws in the county. Oh, so he's like, this guy was really bad. We needed to do something with him. Exactly. So that I mean, that's what happened. We had him in jail. I don't know. He committed suicide. I don't know. It's like, really? Pick a story. Right. A lot of the other papers published the same kind of information about Russian Bill. Like there was another news paper, the St. Louis Globe Democrat in November of 1883. Now, this is two years after Russian Bill's death. And that paper said that Russian Bill had commanded a whole gang of cattle rustlers for several years. So you have all of these papers nationally who are reporting how what a badass Russian Bill was, how he was a leader of different criminals and outlaw gangs. After his death, if you went to newspaper.com and put in like after 1881 November, there are a series of articles for at least 18 months that cite crimes and Russian Bill's criminality. So it was very bizarre. If you only read those, you would be like, God, this guy is a hard ass. Yes, I'm glad he's off this earth. Mm. Well, let's talk about him as a person. Tell me. Because he did have quite a reputation. As being a hard ass? Well, as being handsome and popular with the ladies. Mm, tell me about that mustache again. <laughs> he he did have a mustache. He had a fierce blonde mustache and blonde hair, mm-hmm. which hung to his shoulders. Is this doing it for you, Jill? Yes. <laughs> Say it slower. <laughs> he was described as tall and fair as well and very handsome. Gee, you want to go on a double date? You, <laughs> James Beckworth, me and Russian Bill. <laughs> I think we can get something on the calendar. Come on. Okay. All right. Okay, go on. Here's the other thing about Russian Bill, though. Not only was he handsome and popular with the ladies, he was known to be boastful. 
he would brag all the time about how he's been gambling on riverboats and how he would have duels over the honor of women. And he carried, like, he carried heat. He had a six he gun. He carried heat. <laughs> did, I, is, did I say that right? That's the funniest thing did I've I ever say heard that you say. Right? Uh, yes, he was packing heat. He was packing <laughs> heat. He carried, <laughs> he carried a six gun on each of his hips and a long knife in one of his boots. Mm. And he was always talking about how tough he was. That's a little. I mean, if you're a tough guy, you don't have to say you're a tough guy. It's like my mom thinks I'm cool. Like, you know what I mean? You don't. I know. That's that's a little suspect. Mm hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't walk around being like, I'm strong, guys. Like, we know. Right. We get it. And he talked about how he killed several men. Mm. And so Bill's own boasting about himself and his badass exploits probably helped to spread some of the tales about his life. And today, Mm. many sources describe Bill's descent into a life of crime. According to some sources, Russian Bill began committing crimes in the late 1870s to pay off his gambling debts. And eventually he hooked up with the Clanton gang, a notorious cowboy gang who stole candles from Americans to sell in Mexico. That seems like a pretty sweet deal if you could get away with it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. To me, it sounds dangerous, to be honest, but whatever. Well, I think cows are dangerous. Aren't cow- I'm afraid of cows. Okay, detour, because you know the story about us in West Virginia and the cows attacking <laughs> me and Emma. Yes. We're, that's a detour. Anyway, there were stories that he was in with this cowboy gang that stole cattle from Americans and sold the cattle in Mexico. And there were tales about Bill robbing stagecoaches and stealing horses. And even more dramatically, Russian Bill worked to become an outlaw who rode with the outlaw Curly Bill. Well, Curly Bill was a notorious outlaw that was hunted by the Earp brothers. Yes. So there's an awful lot of stories talking about his criminal exploits. So he was a badass criminal that died from hanging. Why why is this why is this a thing? Actually, no one, and I mean no one in Tombstone believed that he was a rough and tough criminal. He sounds like it to me. Give me give me evidence to support that hypothesis. Here's why. He was very well educated and it showed. For instance, what do you mean it showed? It showed. <laughs> he spoke four languages. He was just like whip out a language and people are like, what? He spoke very eloquently about topics like science, literature, history. And this is going to make you stand out if you're in the Old West, I should think. He would quote Latin and Greek, just like off the cuff. What's cute is researching the his reputation in tombstone people of the town would get such a kick out of like these fanciful things that he would say he'd be like they would be like tell us about that story again or tell us about this because it was so bizarre over the top unusual right cultured yeah yeah he was very cultured and here's the Mm -hmm. other thing he dressed like a cowboy like in the clothes styled like a cowboy but nobody believed that those were really his clothes because they were just too clean and too new. And it was almost like he was playing dress up or wearing a costume like no one was buying it. So no one believed those were real cowboy clothes. It's like he got them from a catalog. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He was like flipping through Sears and it was like, I would like some some chaps. <laughs> right. And even if it was authentic cowboy attire, Jill, he didn't live like a cowboy. 
You know what I mean? Mm. So it'd be like all pressed. He was very clean. Very clean and tidy. Mm -hmm. He also stood out in Tombstone for his manners and his kindness. Like, give me an example of something. So he would say, instead of saying like, what the hell did you say? He would say, pardon me. (laughs) And also, if he wanted to have- This is my favorite quote, and I want it on a button. I literally want this merch on a button. If he was inviting someone to have a drink, he'd say, do me the courtesy, my good friend, to have a little drink with me. I'm actually going to say that to my friend this evening. Do me a courtesy, my good friend, and have a little drink with me. It's my favorite saying. So no one was buying that he was a rough and tough criminal. Well, who was he? Russian Bill was an alias for William Rogers Tattenbaum. And William Rogers Tattenbaum was actually born to Russian nobility in Russia. I was going to say he sounds fancy. Uh Uh-huh. And it was reported in the St. Louis Globe Democrat in November 1883 that Bill's own mother was a lady-in-waiting to the Empress of Russia. That's huge. So his family had standing. Yeah. See, I like him more and more. We're going to make this happen. (laughs) Russian Bill arrived in the United States in the 1870s after he fled Russia purportedly because he got into an incident while serving in the Russian military. And sources differ on what exactly happened. But the bottom line is that he deserted after an altercation with a superior officer. And it was then that he came to the Wild West and sought to align himself with the cowboy element in the area. And some of his reported associates actually were some famous outlaws like Curly Bill, Jimmy the Kid, Rattlesnake Jack, and Sandy King, to name a few. What would your outlaw name be? Puppy Dog Jen. (laughs) Pup Pup Jen. I like Pup Pup Jen. No. What would yours be? What is mine? Yours would be Wild Jill. Wild Jill. You are wild. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. That's on brand. That has a ring of truth to it. Wild Jill. Okay, done. But I like Pup Pup for you. Pup Pup Jen. So why does Russian Bill need a voice, though? Like, tell me, what are we doing here? He's still a criminal. I am so glad you asked. Russian Bill needs a voice, one, because he was unfairly murdered. Let's talk about that situation. Yes, he was convicted to be hanged. He might have been convicted to be hanged. But actually, Jill, we have no proof of whether or not he was caught red handed stealing cattle. That's a true statement. We really don't know if that really happened. According to the book, Tombstone and Iliad, it suggests that in November 1881, Russian Bill was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. The court in Shakespeare, New Mexico, was called specifically to try and punish Sandy King, who was drunk and shooting up the town and injuring people. And truly, he should have been held accountable. And Jill, they just added Russian Bill to the roster purely incidentally as an afterthought, you know, like, all right, let's throw him in with his friend kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like why we have everyone together. Here's the Russian Bill guy. And we also know we've already established that there was a cover up happening. There was an that was an unlawful hanging. They were just throwing anything at the wall to cover up that hanging just to see what sticks. Like suicide. Yeah. The fact that the coroner's jury called it a suicide is preposterous. And then Mm -hmm. all the reports afterwards coming out about what a bad criminal he was and how he deserved to be put to death. Really, what they're not addressing is the fact that it was a group of vigilantes who murdered Mm -hmm. him. It was he Mm -hmm. was not hung by the state or the county. And aren't you glad they did because he was such a terrible criminal that you don't want him alive and on the streets? Exactly. But here's another reason Russian Bill needs a voice. Tell me. Because I don't think he was a criminal at all, Jill. I really don't. 
I think he, you like him too. I, I do. I feel like we're he's gonna have to fight me. for him. We're gonna, we're gonna have, have to fight, fight for him. him. Mud wrestle. <laughs> oh my god, I would hurt you so bad. I'm sorry. No. I can't even think of it in my mind. Okay, Jill, I really believe that he wanted to be like the criminals. That he was seduced by the romance of the old West, and he loved mm. the idea of the lawlessness and the freedom and the life out in the old West. But he wasn't one of them. He he never was. You know what's funny is that I really believe that Russian Bill came to Tombstone for the exact same reason why we were there. Oh my gosh, it's true. It's just the allure of the Old West, exactly. the energy there, the the lawlessness. It's just, that's exactly why. I think you're right. But it's not just us who feel this way. According to the Savannah Morning News that was published in 1883, it says, and I quote, no crimes other than cattle stealing was ever committed by Russian Bill, although he himself mm. has claimed to have killed several men. His good friend Curly Bill said no such claim was true and that he was just making a vain boast. The article continued talking about his reputation, that it was not that of a bad man, but of a braggart whose heart was really kind and his courage doubtful. Aw, he was just a little wannabe nerd, kind of. He, yeah, kind of. He wanted to be with the cool kids. Yeah, he did. Aw, Russian Bill. Then he never fit in. Jeez. Now let's get back to that sign on the wall next to the box in the birdcage. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that sign that I told you about earlier? Yes, I remember. I remember that day very well. Hanging on the wall right next to his balcony box to this day is a sign that really has the same sentiment, Jill. And it says, Bill was not an outlaw, but just wanted to appear tough. So he stole a horse for which he was hanged. He was really a Russian nobleman and was pitied by most of the citizens. I'm sitting here pitying him now. And here's the last reason why Russian Bill needs a voice, because Russian Bill does not want to be pitied. And I'm telling you, he hates that sign. What? He hates that sign. When you originally told me that, and even now, I get goosebumps. Because I, like, literally going through this journey, I was feeling sorry for him. And you're like, that's not what he wants. That is not what he that's wants. That's not what he wants. In fact, Jill, he's thrilled with his legacy as a badass criminal and the leader of thieves. <laughs> he That checks out. Yeah, 100%. Okay, did he want to die in Shakespeare, New Mexico, for stealing cattle? No, he did not want to be hanged by a vigilante mob. But... He succeeded in his goal. He actually created a persona, a mythical version of his own life in the Old West. And his name will forever be associated with some of the biggest criminal names of the West and with the most quintessential of Old Western towns, Tombstone. Ain't that the truth? And again, goosebumps. Russian Bill, you did it. You really did it. And I, I'm... That's true. Here we are, 2022, talking about this man. And he That's reinvented insane. himself to be this yeah, badass criminal, even though he wasn't. And he does not want to be pitied. And if anybody has any pull at the birdcage, have that sign taken down or maybe Rewrite change it. Rewrite that sign, Rewrite bro. the sign. He's not happy with he you. He does not. Take it down. <laughs> he doesn't want to be pitied. He does not want to be pitied. And yeah, no, he is a badass. Like that in itself to be to have that power to change the narrative about your own life, that is really cool. I'm sorry he had to die the way he did though. 
All right. So, Jill, let's go over our hits. We had such good hits. Oh, my God. They were such good hits. I got friends in low places. Holy cow. He did. He did have friends in low places. He sought out friends in low places. Yes, he did. And Jennifer, murder, cover up feeling, please. Oh, my gosh. Just the fact that the coroner's jury said that it was a suicide. Come on, people. Come on. Come on. It insults my intelligence. Don't insult me. All right. <laughs> Billy the Kid. Okay. Are you serious this right now? This is so funny. You I, got his name. His name is Billy. You no, got, I didn't you realize. Got, Jennifer, you I got his name. I that did is not impressive. realize it. Jennifer, I did not realize it. Okay. This is the funny thing, Jennifer. When you were so impressed with that hit, I was not thinking that I got his name. I was thinking that I was getting names of the other people associated with the birdcage and tombstone, like Jimmy the Kid, like the Apache Kid. That's what I was thinking. You are silly because his name was Bill and you literally psychically pulled that name a famous old western bill out of your butt no out of your head so that that was incredible and the idea Thank of you. violence and and gangs and the old, oh my god that mob violence that was the reason That's that he was totally, murdered that was you that was you that, it was so good talk to me about the government connection you were picking up on oh my god how can the governor of a state just be like i'm just gonna kill anyone who is a criminal <laughs> that's a good point like, what the hell? Like, what are we doing now? We're just like, we have to leave or else you're going to kill me. If you're a ruffian. Again, can you please describe the uh, said and said ruffian element? Because I don't know. I'm what if what if I'm a ruffian? Uh, you well, you definitely are a ruffian. And I'm wild Jill. <laughs> you are wild Jill. <laughs> and I, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I was picking up on the idea of really an immigrant. I know. Yeah. This somebody from overseas. You know, yeah. who was not native and not what he seemed and not native to the area. Yeah. Oof. So that was amazing. Conclusion, Jill. What are our takeaways? Oh, OK. First of all, do not get drunk and shoot <laughs> off guns in a populated area or anywhere. Or anywhere. I'm, yeah. That's I'm a good standing tip. firm on that. OK. OK. Don't be a ruffian. Don't be a ruffian. But also, you know what? Choose your friends wisely, mm. because whether you like it or not, the people that you hang around with says something about you. So if you got friends in low places, people are going to assume you're in low places, too. Right. But also be careful what you wish for and how you present yourself to people, because Russian Bill wanted to be seen as a criminal. He wanted to be known as a criminal. And unfortunately, he died as a criminal. Yikes. You know what I mean? Yeah, people might just believe your persona. Right. Are there any other uh, last thoughts that you wanted to talk about? I just want to say this was an amazing story. Everyone needs to get to Tombstone and the Birdcage for sure. It's true. Really. And tell us about your experiences. Oh, I love that. Yes. Reach yeah. out to us. And also... Check out our Patreon if you are interested in getting more content from us, including our detours, where we will be talking about our experience in Tucson. Yes. Well, you guys know you can find us at our website, commonmystics.net. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But if you happen to be on Apple, please leave us a positive review so other people can find us. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you guys so much. Good night. Good night. Good night.